0: Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder.
1: It's Tuesday, May the 2nd, 2023, and you are listening to episode 66, the Heinz Walder. No, no NBA players today. It's a special day being the birthday of my late father, Heinz. Dad, I hope you're having a beer and exploring the galaxy like you told me he wanted to prior to passing. He was big into space. He was big into traveling the universe. That's exactly what he said he wanted to do when he died. And I hope he's doing that today. Dad, I love you. I miss you. Uh, but for all you listeners out there, you are checking out today's episode of the Walder Sportscast. Getting a little bit emotional to kick things off, I'm tugging on your heartstrings. Hopefully, not too much. But I am your host, Chris Walder, and I'm on the Twitter sphere and Instagram at Walder Sports. And while you're here, leave a rating and review. Really does help out the show a ton. On today's podcast, I'm bringing back a good friend of mine, someone I've known for quite some time now. His name is Jay Rosales, and he's a staff writer for Raptors HQ, a site I previously wrote for way back when. He's also the co-host of the That's a Rap podcast, alongside my former audio producer of the Walder Sportscast, Jason Long. Check out their show if you haven't. Subscribe if you can. Jay and I actually knew each other prior to our days at Raptors HQ. We rode alongside each other for a stretch at a little-known site called Sir Charles in Charge for fan-sided. But most importantly, we were also co-workers for the Toronto Raptors game operations department. He was out in the stands. He was with the interactive squad throwing t-shirts. I was more of the manual labor guy. I was out there putting mats onto the court in case the Raptor wanted to do a dunk. And I was chasing him around the building. Needed a bloody oxygen tank. It showed me how horribly out of shape I was. I'm sure we'll relive some of those memories here today on the program and talk some Raptors basketball and the ongoing NBA playoffs as well. But before Jay joins me, I have to direct your attention to my last show as well, a cheap plug, of course, when I was joined by Mike Roach, the co-host of Hustle Play Podcast with Raptor center Chris Boucher and the host of his own show as well, the Mike Roach Podcast. We gave our preview of the NBA playoffs and made our picks for the first round, which is now over and done with at the time of recording. So if you're listening to hear how accurate our selections were, which I hope are pretty good, I forget most of them at this time, Give it a listen when you're done here, and of course, follow Mike on Twitter at MikeRoach23. With all of that being said, though, my good pal Jay Rosales joins me after this quick break. So keep it locked. Perfect! now is Jay Rosales, a writer for Raptors HQ and the co-host of the That's a Rap podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Rosalesaurus. If that's how you even pronounce it, man, I, I, I'm going to have to go over that again. But Jay, welcome back to the podcast. My first ever guest way back when of the Walder Sportscast. We're turning back the clock today, my friend.
0: Yes, and uh, you pronounced it right. Uh, the story behind that is is not too, too great, but I'm very Very thankful that you brought me on. And yeah, it is a blast from the past a bit, right? I mean, you and I go back even further than than being your first guest. We go back to our Raptors fan patrol days. Um, But even before then, uh, back when I used to work in radio, one of the on-air hosts all of a sudden just started calling me Rosalesaurus. And it was around about the time I was thinking about starting a Twitter feed. And lo and behold, that's how the name started.
1: I was going to say I thought it was just like a cool name, but there's actually a backstory to it. You had someone at your old job call you that, and it's stuck with you ever since, eh?
0: And and go figure, right? I mean, right around that. I mean, just earlier, the the a few years earlier than that, the 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 Raptors came into existence. so I'm like, okay, well, Rosales and, and dinosaurs. I guess I can I can roll with this and. Then, as they say, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, right? And
1: well, now you got to make it even bigger in media because the branding is there. The Rosalas source <laughs> shirts. I mean, they're going to be flying off the the shelves there, buddy.
0: Oh man, oh man. I hope not. If if that's if that's what I'm resorting to for uh, for uh, you know notoriety, then then i am probably going down the wrong road
1: here. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for your time today, man. It's really nice to talk to you once again. Do you remember when we first recorded a show? Uh, it was with the two of us and it was our friend Jason Lung, who was yes. my former audio producer of the Walder Sportscast. We did that worst players in Toronto oh, yeah. Raptors history draft. We had eight picks each. Do you remember any of the picks that you made that day?
0: I do not. Uh, I actually took note of it too. And if if I stall a little longer, I could probably find it, but I do not remember any of my picks. I remember some of the things that we joked about, but I'm, I have a feeling you have it all queued up already.
1: Oh, you better believe it. I have the entire <laughs> list here. I have all eight players that you picked. And again, I'm just going to run through them quickly. So your first all, overall what you pick, was What I do remember was
0: I was second, right? That's the one I, I think thing you I were think second, was...
1: yeah. Okay, I brought up okay. the rear because I was a good host. I, I had the final pick <laughs> of the first round. I let you guys take the heavy hitters, but I, I have your full uh, draft order here. So, with your first pick, you took Jean Tabac. a surprising pick, <laughs> I th- a, a polarizing figure in Raptors history. I don't know if he was horrible or, or how his kind of tenure in Toronto aged, but you had Jean Tabac. You had Andrea Bargnani, still oh. at like a 20 point score for the Toronto Raptors, but he had his highs and lows. You also took Anthony Bennett. Lauren Woods, Damari Carroll, Alexander Redo... I can't even pronounce his last name. Anyone (laughs) out there knows... (laughs) Redojevich. There you go. See, this is why you're on the podcast. You're the expert. Uh, (laughs) Milt Palacio and Rafer Alston. So going through all those picks, any regrets on that draft board there? Do you look at some of those names and be like, eh, maybe they weren't that bad?
0: I, I don't know if we were scraping the bottom of the barrel there, but Rafer Alston was actually pretty decent. Uh... Maybe I just was think, not thinking of any names at that point. It was like, okay, who who can I name at this point? And I don't know. Uh, I probably, you know what? Hindsight 2020 here, I, I don't know if, if Tabak and, and Barniani really warranted the second and fifth pick. Uh, so I think I'd probably have them picked later.
1: I think a lot of people slept on Bargnani just because he was the number one overall pick. And I've said this on Twitter too. He's one of those guys that I feel like was just, he came into the league too early. If he was in the league today, he'd be like, maybe not an all-star, but he'd be an efficient guy out there on the floor, stretching it as a big.
0: Yeah, he'd have like, there's a bit of Porzingis there, right? Like the tall guy, you can shoot from outside. And I don't know, I I could see some Porzingis in there. And and he played some, like he, he got the blocks, right? So I don't know. I I think, yeah, he he definitely would have, and I agree with you there, he absolutely would have done a lot better if he was born maybe five, five years later.
1: <laughs> well, those are some pretty awful names, uh, mind you, awful memories from Raptors past, and you and I are gonna get into the Raptors season that was a little bit later on the podcast today. But first and foremost, Jay, I-, I really do wanna thank you for taking time away from your busy schedule of doing literally every news talk segment in Canada talking NBA basketball. Because I feel like I have to keep a tally. Like when you're in the jail cell, like the amount of days like you carve a number into the wall, like how many times my friend Jay is on TV whether it's like CBC or any other news outlet being invited on to talk Raptors basketball, does do those ever get old to you, or is it just like part of the job of being in media at this point?
0: Well, first of all, thank you very much. I, that's definitely not not the goal here, and you know, it's it's funny the the it has not worn out of me. I still get a little nervous as I'm about to go on air, and you know, the sweaty palms. And uh, actually, I have a slightly embarrassing story to share about that. Uh, so the last time I was on was the day that uh, Nick Nurse got fired. It was also the day of Masai's end of your presser. So I was supposed to be on CP24, and they had called me the morning of. At this point, Nick Nurse had not yet been fired. So I knew I was going to be on air at a specific time. Then ZBC calls right after Nick Nurse gets fired, and they're like, yeah, can we can we get you on as well? So knowing that I was gonna be on two different networks in a fairly short amount of time, I decided let's uh, let's change up the shirts, right? Give them each a different wardrobe. Thank God I thought that because after the first interview, I don't know which one came first, you could see the pit stains. Like, I didn't realize how much I was sweating. And I, I, it just goes back to the, the earlier point I was trying to make, right? Like this, it doesn't, it definitely does not wear out on me. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful any time I've ever been called on um where it has worn out is for my children they don't care like i'll, I'll mention something like hey do you know daddy was on tv they barely blink an eye anymore at it so I, I think it's kind of worn out on them um but for me i, I cherish every moment and every time i think and, and i don't want to seem like I'm, I'm bragging about it or boasting it's more I, I see every time that i go on as this is probably the end of my 15 minutes like i i've always felt that way like I don't deserve the getting these calls. And I'm, I'm definitely don't have the credentials that a lot of folks who have been in media for years, who've done the right schooling, uh, you know, you and I, we, we do this as a passion, right? We we, we both started our own podcast because we love the game. Um, but I didn't go to journalism school or anything like that. It was, it was just a, a passion project. And I'm so grateful that it's landed me these wonderful opportunities and that's why if i ever do get a call i'm like all right this is going to be the last one and i'm going to you know enjoy it and and probably tweet about it because i I don't want to miss out on on, you know i want to really enjoy every single one of these so it's been it's been great
1: I i feel like imposter syndrome in sports media is really easy to get Like, I I still have those moments where if I get invited, I I do a few hits on Sportsnet out in Vancouver, and I always tell my family, because my wife has family out in Cranbrook, British Columbia, and I always go in the family group chat and I say, hey, check me out, I'm going to be on at 10, 10, 10 p.m. local time and listen to me talk about the Toronto Raptors, and even if they're not that interested in it, but... Hearing your story and how you've done so many of these things, and I'm teasing you, of course, but it really <laughs> is so cool to see you. I see YouTube clips of you. I type in Jay Rosales Raptors on on YouTube if I'm looking for research, and to see you on there and be such a natural. Like I think you really are too hard on yourself. I think you do an amazing job every time you do one of those.
0: And, and you know what? Th- thank you again. And it's it's. I think you've seen this this firsthand, but like, um, you know, being in the working environment for such a long time now. Like I've been in the workforce now for longer than I was not in the workforce, if that makes sense. So what I'm getting at is I've seen a lot and experienced a lot in my time. And one thing that has that I've learned along the way is that the sports and entertainment world, it's very volatile. And I'm at a point now in my life, I'm in my 40s, I've got kids, I've got a mortgage, that stability is extremely important. And, you know, I've had, I've had times when I was working in sports, I was working in media, or I was working in, in some variation of that, and there just was no stability. And that's when, after getting let go for I don't know how many, if, I've lost count how many times I've been let go from a company in either of those industries. I said, you know what, I think this is my sign after being laid off for the umpteenth time, time to find some stability. And then I, I'm happy I have that now and that I've managed to find that balance where, okay, well, I have the nine to five, but on the side, I've got time. And this this time with Raptors HQ and, and podcasting uh, for that to wrap has really... Brought fulfillment to my life right that that i i kind of have both
1: did you ever have like a welcome to sports media moment where obviously you had been going to raptors games as an interactive squad member which you and i will get into later but at the same time, showing up there, you know, with your laptop or your notebook or what have you and realizing, hey, like, I'm not here just for the sheer enjoyment of watching this team play basketball, but I'm actually here to do a job. Was there ever a moment where kind of the reality of the moment smacked you in the face and, and you thought to yourself, man, I'm actually really doing this right now?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I, I am, when I'm in the media center, I actually keep to myself. And I think that's part of that imposter syndrome you spoke about before where I look around the room and and I see all of these faces of of broadcasters and journalists who I look up to, who I admire, who I fashion myself after. I look at them and I'm just like, I become an introvert. Like outside of, of that arena, I'm an extrovert at work, at home. But once I step through those doors at Bank Arena, I'm introverted. I, I, I keep to myself, I barely talk to anyone. I, I get starstruck not by the players that I see or the coaches that I see, but by the other media members. So I wouldn't say that there's one specific moment where I felt like, what am I doing here? That actually happens every time I'm there. Uh, you know, we're sitting in, in the, the pressers before every game and we get there and it's like, it always happens about an hour 45 before game time. Nick Nurse will have his presser. He'll be there for up to 15 minutes. And then following that, the opposing coach, uh, we had 15 minutes with him. And I, I never get a question out. It, it just, nothing comes out of my mouth. And a part of it is, I'm afraid it's a question that these journalists asked earlier in the day at practice, let's say, or it's a question that, makes me seem like I'm just not smart enough. So those moments, Chris, they happen every time I go to a game, I, I just I, I just freeze up. Um, oh, actually, no, I have one quick example. Uh, there is a, an unwritten rule that if you're sitting um, in media row, and that's section, I think, 113 or something like that, all the way at the top. Um, if you're sitting along media row, you are not a fan, which makes sense were working, right? But you and I remember when we were working Raptors games, we were fans and that was our job, right. was to cheer and, and get people riled up. There was a game um last year, uh 2021, sometime near the end of 2021. And it was the, if you remember the OKC Thunder game, that was the game where Justin Champney had that tip in at the buzzer that won the game, but then on replay, they actually wasn't. Right. I. I did not hold back. Like he tipped that in and I jumped up and I celebrated and immediately I got looks around Media Row like, dude, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that, right? And <laughs> I think that's 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 where I was like, Oh shoot, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I'm not a fan and that's the hard part to kind of, you know, bring in when whenever I'm sitting there with those guys.
1: Well, if it makes you feel any better, the first time I ever attended a Raptors game as media, I did literally the exact same thing. I had a, a day <laughs> pass with uh, our, a, a former colleague of mine at The Score um, who also wrote for Raptors HQ, Scott Campbell, and I was there to shadow him Uh, Doing Raptors media, and I was up in the box. I was covering the game that day, and Mm -hmm. literally during the player introductions, I stood up and started clapping. Because again, my (laughs) head went back into like game operations mode, and I'm like, oh man, this is so cool! Like, I'm in a Raptors game, but. Everyone around me gave me the dirty look and they just like, you know, I forget who it was next to me. It might have been Will Lou or, or Blake Murphy or somebody like that. And they just tapped me on the shoulder and just said, hey, sit down. Like, you know, this is not, you're not here to actually enjoy the game. You're here to cover right. it like a media member. So what you went through... I did the exact same thing. And I'm sure a lot of other people in your shoes have been down that road before as well.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine it's so. And you know, I I look around the room whenever I'm there and I don't get that vibe, but I know it's there. I just, I don't see it, which I'm fine with. And I I told myself this last year, last year I I did not have uh, credentials. I was more similar to what what you just referred to. I I would get a day pass here and there if if someone from HQ couldn't go. but this year, when I was told before the season that I would actually have full creds, I got all excited. I was like, okay, this year's gonna be different. I'm gonna ask questions. I'm gonna go to meetings, go to go to practices and yeah, it, it never changed. I, I, I was tongue tied. So it, it happens to, to the best of us, but uh, it, is, it is humbling to see, but also it's really great to see. Uh, and I don't think folks see it enough. I mean, you got a glimpse of it, um, but seeing these journalists at work doing their thing, they are so good. And I don't think that the the credit that they get on Twitter or wherever they're seeing it is not enough because you don't see what happens behind the scenes and the amount of work they put in in, in getting these relationships and working these relationships with various folks on the Raptors organization, it really is a sight to see it. And something that inspires me to, to kind of keep driving forward.
1: You're there for a reason, Jay. I think it's, it's extremely difficult to, first of all, get credentials for the season in the first place. Obviously someone likes you on the Raptors PR team. But again, it's been so cool to kind of see your rise in sports media. Again, teasing you about all these news spots that you do. But it really is cool uh, to see you in the trenches, so to speak, being a part of Toronto Raptors media. I think your name belongs there. I think your presence belongs there. And hopefully the more and more you go down there, it'll become a more natural occurrence. and, And we'll hear more Jay Rosales questions being posed to the Toronto Raptors. But for now... The questions that are being posed here today are from me to you, my friend, and I do want to talk some basketball with you. That's why I had you on here today. I want to get your thoughts, especially on the Toronto Raptors, which is our bread and butter. I haven't talked about this yet. Uh, It's been a few weeks now since I've recorded a podcast, but the last time I did a show, Nick Nurse was still the head coach (laughs) of the Toronto Raptors. He was uh, fired by the organization on the 21st of last month, I believe. Now, personally, I saw this coming. After that play-in loss to the Chicago Bulls, I said, point-blank, this is likely the last game that Nick Nurse is going to be coaching the Toronto Raptors. But I'm curious, Jay, what was your initial reaction to that news? Were you at all surprised, or was this basically a foregone conclusion, considering how this season played out?
0: I was the same as you. Uh, not, Not completely surprised. The timing of it, I was a little shocked by. I thought that it would have happened a lot sooner the fact that it happened on the morning of right before Masai's end of your presser was a tiny bit of a shock for me but the the reasoning was correct um this this season was a failure the players were the exact same as last year it should have gone up and it said it went down you had no excuses this year there was no excuses of of injuries uh there was no excuses of a pandemic right there there were just no more excuses and the fact that they did as poorly as they did really speaks to that. And it, it kind of validates him losing his job. And now that's, I will say getting to that point, and I don't know if you, you felt the same way, but it's not like it was a scenario where you knew all season long that he needed to go. We, we reach a certain point during the season and watching this team play that you start to think, well, maybe it's not the players or maybe it's it's not a specific player and you start to look at who is going to end up being blamed for all this. And I initially thought, okay, Nick Nurse is going to be, uh, like, Masai and Bobby are not gonna fire themselves. And when right. they start pointing fingers on a failed season, they're going to look at someone and that person is going to be Nurse. Um, and they're not going to admit that they, you know, constructed a poor put together a poorly constructed roster it's going to fall on Nick Nurse I think what was tough for me to grapple or or, sorry to handle was that he did help us win the championship like it was very similar to the the feelings about DeMar DeRozan before he got traded it was he is so good he is like the greatest Raptor of all time which is what I thought at the time and the thought of losing him just doesn't register in my head because he's going to be a Raptor forever. It was the same with Dick Nurse. It was like, he brought a championship. He should be the coach forever. He's kind of earned that right. Uh, but to finally come to the grips of, okay, if I if I as a hardcore Raptors fan want to see them succeed, he's got to go. And when it finally happened, uh, I mean again a little bit of a shock but it's it's the right move
1: you mentioned the front office there briefly jay do you think nurse was more of a scapegoat than anything and i say this because the roster construction was not exactly ideal i think we were all infatuated with this 6 foot 8 6 foot 9 design getting a bunch of wings to play a multitude of positions and roles and it looked great on paper but not on the floor and you can only work with what you have and it's it's far more likely that a coach, like you said, is going to get canned more than a general manager or front office personnel. Like you joked about Webster and Ujiri are not firing themselves. Was Nurse essentially a dead man walking with the roster that he had? And do you think the front office should really be taking more heat here for how the season played out?
0: Yes, I agree. The the, the, the front office should be taking more heat. And, and Masai tried to say something to that effect that he's partly to blame here. And you know what? I, I agree with you to the to the statement that Nurse was a scapegoat, but only to a certain degree. I thought that he was a scapegoat up until when he was actually fired. Once he was fired, then you start to hear some grumblings coming out of what was happening behind the scenes, right? And and some, I guess, tension in the locker room amongst mm-hmm. Nurse and the other coaches, Nurse and some players. So. I think that's the, I guess, the beauty and the curse of, of being fired is that some of the skeletons start to come out of the closet, right? And that was one of the things that that I had thought about during the season was, okay, if this, this team is the same as last year, why aren't they doing as well? And they're not, they don't have the exclusive injuries. Is there something else going on there, right? And sometimes you see it in the way they play. They're, they're, sometimes there would be, there, there be let down games. There would be times when you just feel like the guys aren't giving their all and they're they always looked dejected like you barely saw Pascal smiling which was like a hallmark of the way of, of knowing that he's going to have a solid game um, it just felt like they were going through the motions and you know in the back of my head I kept thinking is there something going on in the locker room that we don't know about right and you know we, we like to give credit to this team for being very tight-lipped and not releasing any rumors and they're like the one team during the draft that doesn't give Woj or Shams their pick well that also goes the same for any tension that might be happening in the locker room, right? Um, uh, I, I still think that there was some tension between Fred VanVleet and Kawhi Leonard during the championship season, although that's never been corroborated. So yes, I think that at the end of the day, Nurse is no, was no longer the scapegoat. It was more, there were some valid reasons that we saw and some that we didn't see that probably is being kept by the front office, but enough to let him go. And I think that with him now fired and all of the changes that Masai has been foreshadowing, I don't think he's the first of the coaching staff to be let go. I think you're, you're going to hear some more names being let go. Um, I mean, I, I personally, I think that Nate Bjorken is going to be the next one uh, to, to go. I think he was part of that tension. Uh, and then we'll see what else happens to the rest of the coaching staff. But uh, I no longer think he's a scapegoat. I, I think it was uh, it was warranted the the firing.
1: Well, what's the joke about the Toronto Raptors online? They're like Pampers. They they never leak. They're like the Huggies diapers, (laughs) but now all of a sudden we're hearing all these stories and all these rumors, even from other players around the association, about what could be going wrong with this team. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this all unfolds with some hires, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, Jay Rosales of Raptors HQ, and that's a wrap. Joining me today on the Walder Sportscast. Jay, we had that report recently from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski about some of the names that the Raptors have been given permission to interview for their head coaching vacancy. Uh, We have like Golden State's Kenny Atkinson, uh, Phoenix's Kevin Young is there as well, Sacramento's Jordy Fernandez, and of course we have those potential internal hires like Adrian Griffin and Earl Watson. Is there any name that sticks out to you right now, Jay, as as a favorite for who should be the head coach of the Toronto Raptors or even who you think may be the best fit for this franchise moving forward?
0: The easy answer is Becky Hammond, uh, but I will sidestep that easy answer temporarily. I I, I may come back to this. Um, First of all, I I don't think that Adrian Griffin will get hired. I know that the latest FanDuel odds have him as the favorite, but Masai made it pretty clear in his presser that he needed a culture reset. And if you're going to do a culture reset, you're probably not bringing back someone who's currently on staff. I think Adrian Griffin's probably getting a a courtesy interview if anything um where i'm on the fence on is another former assistant coach right and and that's jerry stackhouse and so i i will i will skirt the the answer answering your question for a second because i have two names in mind one of them is becky hammond um and, and and pose a question to you and that is if we both agree that Adrian Griffin should not be hired, let's say because of this whole culture reset thing, does Jerry Stackhouse fall in that same boat? Or Jama Malalea, or any other former assistant coaches currently not with the Raptors? Do they fall in that same boat as well?
1: It's difficult to say. I mean, I've been pretty animate on social media that the Raptors should look for an external hire because I think the only way you move forward Is that you don't try and dwell on the past I think anyone who's currently on the coaching staff uh, Is going to bring similar philosophies To what Nick Nurse brought to the table And I think, like you mentioned You need a complete culture reset I think you need a new mind, a new perspective And I see your point I mean, I think Gary Stackhouse would be a tremendous fit He's obviously been away And he's done other roles, of course But at the same time, again You, you do want to do a complete 180 From what we've been dealing with the last couple of years I mean, y- you don't want to rest on the laurels of the 2019 NBA championship, but you also don't want to tank out and just wipe the slate clean and, and start from scratch. I think you want someone who's qualified, and even if it is a, a Jerry Stackhouse, for example, someone I'm personally advocating for, if he's the best person for the job and he does have previous ties to the Raptors, I think you still have to strongly consider a name like that.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, so, you know, having said that, you know, we, we you touched upon it, right? I mean, this this whole culture reset does really speak to me as you really want someone brand spanking new. And for me, there's two names that jump out. And let's let's start with the obvious. Let's start with Becky Hammond here. Right. And I've seen what you've had to endure on Twitter. And I know yep. that this is this <laughs> is a bit of a, a bit of a touchy subject, but it shouldn't be a touchy subject. Let's throw out the fact that she's a female. Let's look at her credentials because that's what's going to boil down to and what it boils down to is she is a, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? She is a descendant, I think it is, of the Greg, Greg Popovich coaching tree, which, in and of itself, is incredible validity. If you think about Mike Budenholzer and Ime Udoka, like you're thinking of like names here that fell from a, a really, like a Hall of Famer, right? The, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time. So that is already check mark number one for me but it goes way beyond that, right? You're looking at someone who had success as a player. She went to the WNBA finals four times. Uh, You're looking at someone who has seen everything from coaching in the G League to, sorry, coaching uh, Summer League to, she's even coached some NBA games as a a fill-in for Greg Popovich, so she's seen it all. And then you look at someone who has, finally taken on the head coaching role and, and wins a championship in her first year again throwing out gender because that should not be a, a, a part of this process if you're looking at credentials becky hammond is the choice having said that i have another name that i'm that i'm start, it's starting to grow on me and let me and have you, it you listed a few here um Actually, wait, before I continue on my next one, I'm going to continue teasing the listeners. Do you have anything else you want to add about Becky Hammond that that you'd want to get off your chest about?
1: Oh, we'll get into Becky Hammond in just a moment. I'm now (laughs) curious about this second name that you want to throw on the table.
0: Okay, yeah, so we've got a lot of names here. I'm going to quickly relist some of them, and there's a reason why I'm relisting them. Okay, we've got Mitch Johnson, also of the Spurs, uh, Charles Lee of the Bucks, Kevin Young, as you mentioned, of the Suns, Fernandez of the Kings, and let's throw in Chris Quinn of the Miami Heat. The reason why I pulled out all of those names, not only because those were names mentioned by Woj, is because all of them are between the ages of 36 and 41. That's kind of cool. I I am good for having a coach that's relatively young, um, but has kind of paid their dues. All of these coaches have been, are either an assistant coach currently or an, an associate head coach. And they've all had at least five years learning the ropes. Um, but the one of those names that really jumps out to me recently is Jordy Fernandez. I don't think he's getting enough publicity and maybe it's, right. it's a product of some of the tweets I'm seeing, but just starting to research on him, I'm really liking his philosophy. Now he's kind of made his, his way up through the Denver Nuggets organization. Um, unfortunately that was after Messiah left. So there's, there's no Messiah Jordy link there, but um Something that really jumped out to me was during his time there, he, um, the assistant GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers, actually, Mike Gainesy, said some really, really positive things about him, mm-hmm. about the way he coaches, about the way he connects with the players. One thing he said is that Jordy is a people's coach. He says, you talk to him for five minutes and you feel like you're his best friend or you're an important person. He makes you feel wanted so much. You just got that personality, that presence, especially with players. Now, you can probably say that maybe other, other GMs have said that about other assistant coaches, but that one kind of jumps out to me. I feel like that's the kind of person that you need to bring into this locker room. And I'm not saying that that's not the case for the other ones, um, but there just seems to be a, a record of success here right and he had six seasons with the Nuggets obviously we've seen how they've risen and then this past year is his first year with the Kings now I don't need to repeat how well the Kings have done this year (laughs) it's no coincidence that he's part of their staff and they've had the kind of year that they've had so um, you know let's throw in the fact that uh, he's got some assistant coaches on his current staff that are also part that used to be part of the Raptors organization in Leandro Barbosa and Jay Triano he got a PhD in sports psychology he wrote up this like 11 page article on the effectiveness of an offensive play and how it can determine a team's behavioral patterns before the shot goes up like this guy's a smart guy and all the things I'm reading up on him are really jumping out to me so if you know Becky Hammond doesn't work out I'd be more than happy if it If that call ends up being for for Jordy Fernandez, he seems to have hit a spot where he's kind of like that next hot name that hasn't really hit everyone's uh, earlobes yet.
1: I think that's what the Raptors ultimately need. I Bless Nick Nurse's heart, but he was more of an X's and O's guy. I think he was more of like the mad genius of basketball instead of being more of a players-oriented coach. And I think you were starting to see some of those cracks throughout the course of the season. Like you mentioned earlier, maybe some behind-the-scenes turmoil. And I think in, in today's day and age, you need to be a players guy. And I think Nick Nurse was slowly but surely not becoming that type of a coach. And, and you're throwing out some of these names. When Woj made this report about all of these assistants, I'm admittedly not familiar with the majority of them. But I think, and again, again we talked about this on my social media because uh, Becky Hammond, her name has been flooding my mentions, unfortunately, <laughs> for all of the wrong reasons. Because a lot of people are really against the idea of the Toronto Raptors, even giving her an interview. And we talked about her credentials, of course, you know, the head coach of the WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces. She was under the Greg Popovich tutelage tree. And now she, I mean, she's really in a great spot currently. And if she wanted an NBA job, I think that opportunity will come down the road what do you see, how do you, or how do you see that all unfolding with Becky Hammond? Do you think this is more so just an interview for the sake of an interview? Or do you think there's some legitimate interest from the Raptors in hiring her? I think there is
0: legitimate interest. Um, I think that their, her name has been floating around enough before she got hired by the Aces that, you know, there were, there were kind of, there was kind of this feeling that it was almost like there was a bit of tokenism in that. And you, you don't want that to be the case. And I'm sure every team that has interviewed her will say such and will say that, you know, they hired the right person for whatever reason, but we've seen, I can, the, the names are escaping me right now, but I, I know that she has been interviewed for roles that they ended up giving to retread head coaches. And, and that to me speaks to you we're just going to hire a name for the sake of a name and you were interviewing her to get some some likes on social media but you didn't hire her um so and I think she's kind of proven everyone wrong right or at least proven the doubters wrong right and and getting that championship in her first year and and showing that that she can really cut it as a coach um, where I think this will end up though is that I don't think she will get the job. And I don't, I'm not saying that because she's not qualified enough. And I'm not saying that because I think that anyone else is necessarily more qualified than her. I think it is more so the case that she's got it really good with the aces, right? She's, it, it's, I find it really hard to believe that she will spend just one season there. Yes, she gets a championship, And and maybe her ultimate goal is to ultimately coach an NBA team, but she's only been there for one year. The Aces just unveiled this revamped practice facility, which looks better than like any NBA facility I've seen. (laughs) Uh, That's a lot to walk away from. I, I don't know. I just I find it hard to believe that that she'll walk away from that after only only one season. Like I think that she'll ultimately say no to the Raptors if they ultimately offer it to her, or she she'll even say no to the interview because. These types of opportunities will pop up again. Like she will stay in the WNBA. Maybe she'll stay for like a couple of years. Maybe she'll win another championship or two, and and then say to the NBA, you know what? All right, I'm ready for you. I've got I've got I've got enough rings here.
1: <laughs> I've been a huge advocate of hers. I do think that it's not a matter of if, but when. She will be a head coach in the NBA, but I'm totally on board with what you're saying is that she's in a a tremendous spot right now. She's only been there for a cup of coffee with the Las Vegas Aces, obviously a championship caliber team. They've had an influx of money with this new practice facility. I think an opportunity will come for her. It may not necessarily be with the Toronto Raptors. I just think the main thing that bothers me is a lot of these comments online saying that an NBA team full of men would not take a female head coach seriously. Throw out the window all of the credentials that we've talked about concerning her past as an assistant and now currently as a head coach this idea, this toxicity that's running through the minds of people right now, not everyone, but there is a large number, if my Twitter mentions are any indication of it, that she would not thrive in an NBA setting because players would basically shrug their shoulders and not listen to a word she says just because she's a woman, which I think is completely outlandish. And I think it's just such a backwards thinking to where we are today, Jay.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. And honestly, I, I have to call out, your ability to handle all that. I, I don't know why I always seem to see negativity coming at you and, and how you've managed to, to handle that. It's, it's honestly, it's it's worth commending because I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I honestly would not. If, if I've constantly berated for something that is, at, at, at least makes sense in my head, uh, I, I wouldn't pay any mind to that. But kudos to you, honestly, for, for constantly being able to, to handle that with, with, with grace. Um, but yeah, I, I, think that she absolutely would be able to handle a, a locker room. I mean, just look at the, the Raptors organization. They've had Brittany Donaldson as an assistant head coach. She's had her own say with yes. the players, right? They've listened to her. Uh, Teresa Ratch is part of the organization for so long and maybe she's not a coach, but damn well they know about her, right? Like there, there's a number of examples of successful females within the Raptors organization that it's foolish to think that these players will not listen to one in the locker room uh as their head coach so i i have no doubts that if she were to be hired and if, if they do bring her on as the head coach that becky hammond would absolutely have the attention of these players um because at, here's the other thing i will give credit to messiah and bobby for is that um say what you will about the way this team is constructed but at the very least these are guys who have a uh what's the word i'm looking for here that they're good guys for, for lack of a better word. Like they right. they have the, the type of personality that would fit this kind of culture. Um they don't have the closed minded type of players that are, are surely out there. Um so yeah, I don't I don't think that would be an issue at all if Becky had would to be hired.
1: Well Elon Musk may have taken my blue check mark, uh which in hindsight Probably didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but he has not taken away my ability to block the trolls on social media. I could probably bite my tongue. More often than not, sometimes I just let it loose. I got nothing to lose at this point, Jay. I think when people throw that toxicity at me, I send it right back to them. Sometimes a little bit more harsh than I'd like to be. But at the same time, if you're asking for it, Chris Walder doesn't pull his punches. He goes hard. He goes right for the jugular. But uh, again, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for Becky Hammond. Uh, I'm happy for the situation that she's in right now with the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, moving forward here, Jay, I do want to get quickly into some NBA playoff talk with you. We're now heading into the second round, and I'm going to throw some questions at you here. I'm going to get a little bit creative. Usually I do likely or unlikely here on the podcast, but I'm going to get a little bit tamer here. I'm going to take it down a notch. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. I'm going to throw some Mm. blanket statements at you. You just fill in the blank and kind of give me a little bit of an explanation why. Sound good?
0: Sounds good. Let's do it.
1: So following the Milwaukee Bucks' first-round upset loss to our good friend Kyle Lowry, of course, in the Miami Heat, Giannis Antetokounmpo should feel blank about the team's future.
0: Oh, I really want to give a biased answer to this. But I would say he would feel <laughs> questionable about this team's future because he should have been questionable about it before he re-signed with the team. I mean, the the signs were there, right? Everyone... I think it was of their top eight or nine uh, rotational players seven of them were over the age of 30 so while the way in which they were eliminated in the first round having only won once it, it was a bit of a shock it's not entirely when you look at their roster and think this is a team that can that is like a it's built for the regular season and you know the age was going to catch up to them so i'm going to answer this question by saying questionable and he's certainly questioning why he resigned with a team full of old guys so that's what i'll go with
1: yeah, the Bucks aren't getting any younger, and just like The Undertaker sticking his hand out of the grave at Buried Alive against Mankind, the Giannis <laughs> and Tentacupro rumors to the Toronto Raptors, they have a pulse. I know it flooded social media for many, many years, but now there's a little bit of a pulse. I'm happy to be a part of that craze. I know it's not going <laughs> to happen, everybody, but it's fun to discuss. Jay, the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State Warriors kick off their best-of-seven second-round matchup on Tuesday night. I know the NBA is going to be shoving that down our throats for the next couple of weeks, with the exception of obviously the key figures like LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then the superstars on the Golden State Warriors, the most important player in this series will be blank.
0: Will be. Hmm, I'm trying to think. Is about, it going
1: to be Jordan Poole? Is he going to finally wake up and start hitting some buckets?
0: It won't be. As, and and I I am a huge Michigan guy, so for me, I'll always vouch for my Michigan Wolverines. But. it's whoever on the Lakers has to guard Curry, I think it will boil down to, right? (laughs) It should be Jared Vanderbilt, but I'm starting to see things about how, like, the Lakers should probably try to roll out a three-guard lineup. Uh, Curry's going to run circles around D'Angelo Russell, I think. So I'm going to go with... uh, Let's go with... uh, I don't feel confident saying Dennis Schroeder. That's such a... Like, he could be the type of person who gets, like, no playing in time, and then all of a sudden I've called him out. Let's let's go (laughs) safe here. Let's let's say jared vanderbilt as as the unspoken hero of this team uh who can oh no no i have, I have one i'm gonna go with austin reeves i, just I was gonna guy.
1: say i was ready for the austin reeves shout out there have you bought some stock in austin reeves I, I bought like... stock
0: so early because he helped, he helped <laughs> my fantasy team so yes i was on the the reeves train a bit earlier
1: Oh, geez the fantasy see when he's putting up stats across the board that's when you get a little bit you know infatuated with what he can bring to the table down the road are you buying this all-star potential like if he was anywhere else but a laker <laughs> would anyone give two you know what's about austin reeves no
0: and thankfully i'm gonna say this is not like Taylor hurt and tucker all over again he's better than that but <laughs> i don't think i don't think he's he's all-star potential um but yeah he is. he's better than tht and I'm hoping that for the sake of, of my little mini prediction here is that he has at least one shining moment, like a, a step back three over Curry or I don't know, a, a steal off of a Curry breakaway or something like that. Like he'll he'll have a, a moment and then it'll be on the Lakers home floor and Lakers Twitter is going to go crazy and, and anoint him the next great all star. <laughs>
1: Well, Austin Reeves is looking like a million bucks, but someone who's not looking so hot these days is our favorite Canadian, Mr. Dylan Brooks. Uh, mm. Obviously, that series with the Grizzlies and the Lakers didn't play out to Memphis's liking. But Jay, especially after that Game 6 loss uh, by the Grizzlies, losing by 40 to the Los Angeles Lakers, right now, Dylan Brooks looks blank.
0: Dylan Brooks looks flabbergasted And he looks flabbergasted (laughs) because he called out LeBron saying, talk to me when you hit me with a 40. And guess what? The Lakers hit you with a 40, uh, a 40 point loss. And I I think he's absolutely flabbergasted. This will work out in Canada's favor, I think. I think that he will come back hungrier. He will help out Team Canada in the upcoming World Cup. And Team Canada will do amazing and and make it out of their group into the next round and, and... Make some noise against Spain in the next round or whatever that is. So I think right now he's kind of, you know, dumbfounded, flabbergasted. He's just kind of in shock. But he won't admit that, obviously, and he'll want to come out hungrier. And I think that that will pay dividends for Team Canada basketball and ultimately the Grizzlies next season.
1: I think Dylan Brooks is in the wrong profession. He needs to be a professional wrestler. He's already got the Stone Cold Steve Austin cosplay down pat. Uh, But again, he's not really backing up his talk on the basketball court. He's he's like Rowdy Roddy Piper on the mic, but then he gets out there in the uh, the thick of it in the playoffs and he turns into the Brooklyn Brawler, if anyone Mm -hmm. knows who that guy was. A a classic jobber for the old school World World Wrestling Federation. But yeah, Dylan Brooks, uh, not the best look. Uh, coming out of that series uh, again, an upset loss for the Grizzlies. I know they were hurt, falling to the Lakers. But again, uh, the the history books will not look kindly on the 2023 Memphis Grizzlies. But Jay, uh, we are drawing to a close here, my friend. I do want to let you go shortly, but like I do with most of my guests, I do have some fun questions to send you on your way.
0: All right, hit him.
1: April of last year, and you have this as your pinned tweet on your social media page, you had a very cool opportunity to interview former Raptor Muggsy Books on your podcast. He was promoting his autobiography at the time, I believe. You called him one of your childhood idols. Now that you've had a taste of interviewing a past Raptors quote-unquote legend anyway, I love Tyrone Muggsy Boogs, give me three other names connected to the Raptors, either current or from the past, that you would love to have as a guest on That's a Rep.
0: Oh, great question. Uh, let's start with one current, and that would be Fred Vendley. Uh, I don't. I, I, he's the best quote on the team. He's always insightful. You always learn something from him, so he's easily number one. Uh, thinking about a former Raptor, I gotta go with my favorite former Raptor, and that is Keon Clark. Uh, he wow. He fell in some hard times after he saw some time in prison, and you know he had a, a drinking problem. But I, I did a, a piece on him on, on Raptors HQ a few years back, and it does look like he's on the mend and, and getting better. I, I'd love to hear from him, like his life story and anything like that. I, I just would love that. Um, and the third one, I don't know. That's that's a, I don't know who the third Raptors related person uh, would be, but. Uh, You know what, it's not, I'm going to figure out a way to to make this Raptors related. He did have a buzzer beater against the Raptors once. I know this because he's my favorite player of all time. It's Chris Webber. So that's my kind of Raptors related person. Um, He's always been my favorite player. Um, And his, his recent induction to the Hall of Fame validates anything, any timeout joke anyone throws at me. I just say, hey, he's a Hall of Famer now uh
1: so the one i will say this the one guest i've I've wanted to have on and i've messaged him before asking him if he'd do it but he only said he would do it once he like actually hangs it up for good it's the raptor i think that would be a tremendous show considering that i was actually working alongside him and i was his assistant and he made me run you know i said this during my intro you didn't hear it but man that guy taught me that i was in no shape to chase his ass around a <laughs> scotia bank arena i had no chance but he did tell me i'm not gonna it's like batman you can't reveal yeah, his identity can't. to the world but he did say that when he's uh he's, he's done for good he will join me on the program so i'm excited for which, that which Chris might not Weber, be for
0: a while because he's still there yeah, he's I that guy's see never him gonna games.
1: retire. He's in still great shape. Amazing Everyone shape. asked me. I, lo- I always loved it back in the day. Everyone always asked me when I was in the stands. He's like, "What race is the Raptor?" It's like, <laughs> "Is he Asian? Is he is he a black guy? And is he white?" I'm like, "No, that's uh, that's for him I'll to tell." You know, I'll never tell. Yeah, i yeah. tell. It's like you know, no one wants to know in Gotham City who Batman is. We all know. But oh, yeah. you know, it's uh, when, when his identity is revealed. Uh, it'll be a cool story at the time. But yeah. Jay, I haven't asked this to a guest uh, since I brought back the Walder Sports Cast. But I'm always looking for new shows to watch. I know you're a busy guy with your family and your day job and what have you. But are you currently watching or streaming any shows? And if it's nothing at all, what was the last great show that you've been caught co- that you've been catching?
0: Oh, uh, we on on our on our show that's a wrap we do actually have a a weekly recommend so we're constantly talking about shows that we're watching so i'm fairly prepared for this question i I think most recently uh you know there's there's a lot of really good television on like this is the beauty of netflix and and disney plus like there's no shortage of good things so i'm just gonna go with the last really good one i watched and that was beef uh you know that starting you know and, and it was the, the latest ali wong uh netflix show it is really well done i really did not expect it to be as good as it was um i don't want to spoil anything but i mean it's it's it goes a lot deeper than the trailer shows and i think it's it's worth it's worth catching so and the the beauty of it is and you you mentioned this already you know i have a family and i've got other priorities here. It's only ten episodes, and the episodes are only half an hour long. So for me, that's very much in my wheelhouse. Of this is a bingeable show that I can I can totally watch.
1: It was just at my brother's recently, and he has two kids under the age of one, uh, and he's been watching a lot of children's shows like Bluey. You ever heard of Bluey? Like the Australian dog, the cartoon.
0: Yeah, this this Bluey came up right after my kids like got past that age. So. <laughs> you just missed it. I just missed it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we were watching that on loop uh when i was at his house one of these days and i feel like i can recite most of that dialogue there was some <laughs> tremendous storytelling uh with bluey but beef i gotta catch that that's about the two uh the two people who get into uh like a scuffle in a car like yeah. some road
0: rage yeah you figure you know it's, it's it's just gonna be like how can you make 10 episodes out of one really quick road rage incident but it, it really does uh it really does go out of control there um but in a controlled manner, if that makes sense. So uh, definitely recommend there.
1: Well, perhaps the most important question that I'm going to ask here today. Last night at the time of recording, we found out that in the second round, of the NHL playoffs, because you and I are hockey guys. We talk hockey all the time, Jay. But time. Uh, we're going to be <laughs> we're gonna be seeing our Toronto Maple Leafs for the first time in uh, a millennium and a half advance out of the first round. They're going to be taking on the Florida Panthers. So now I need your bold prediction, Jay. Who you got? Are you going to go from the norm here? Are you going to upset an entire country? Or are you going to put your money on the line? Are you taking the Leafs against the Panthers?
0: I'll take the Leafs in six... And I, I a bonus prediction that despite Florida's efforts, half of their arena will still be Leafs fans. No,
1: because I feel like everyone just retires from Canada and goes Absolutely. right to Florida.
0: Yeah, all the snowbirds are there. So good luck trying to keep out Leafs fans.
1: Did you hear that story about like how they're telling or, or there something on the website where they're not allowing out of towners or anyone outside yeah. of the United States to purchase tickets? What what's that about, Jay?
0: Yeah, they, they, they want to be only US residents. Well guess what? There are three million Canadians who have taken up permanent residence in Florida, so good luck keeping them out.
1: <laughs> Ridiculous, I tells you. We're gonna be flooding that stadium. It's gonna be go leafs, go chance all the time. I haven't watched a lick of hockey all regular season. I feel like I've watched more hockey in the last forty-eight hours than I have in the last four in the last decade of my life, Jay. It's been a hockey nonstop
0: and you know what they you're gonna probably get more of it because i don't know about you i'm starting to get 2019 vibes uh the latest example of that today they the the maple leafs uh sports entertainment released what the jurassic park area will look like and it has extended and the last time it got extended to two zones versus one was during the raptors championship run so The further out it extends, I think the Raptors had three zones. Like the third zone was like all the way, like you were like closer to Roger Center than you were to Scotiabank Arena. But once they get out to that third zone, then it's like, we're talking about Stanley Cup championships here, right? So I'm starting to get those vibes as they continue to make that Jurassic Park area larger.
1: Do the Leafs have a Kawhi Leonard? Are they going to be, you know, four bounces off the goalposts and then all it goes in, the crowd goes nuts. I feel like that was kind of what happened with Tavares there in game six against the Lightning. Had a friendly bounce. It wasn't as memorable as, say, what uh, happened with Kawhi Leonard in game seven against the Sixers, but a tremendous moment nonetheless. Did you catch that moment live, Jay?
0: Oh, you better believe it. And my kids who were trying to sleep definitely heard that I caught it. Uh, I would take your your well-constructed tweet about this being similar to the Kawhi bounce and saying, well, Kawhi did four bounces. The Raptors, I mean, sorry, the Leafs had one. They've still got three more bounces, right? So three more lucky bounces will happen in some way, shape or form throughout this run. And that just gives us hope that the Leafs still have more in the tank to, to kind of carry this through.
1: So when I asked you to come on the podcast, you joked that you were going to be, and this is what you said to me in your DMs, you were, we were going to talk 10% about Nick Nurse and potential hires for the Toronto Raptors, 50% about the Maple Leafs. I would say we haven't touched that quota for hockey content here on the Walder Sportscast, but we would talk about 40% the menu at Mandarin, where I took my wife for her birthday over the weekend. So Jay, I'll take you up on that, my friend. I haven't been to the Mandarin since I was seven years old, but I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought the bar was going to be real low. I thought I was going to get sick because it's a buffet. You can never really trust buffets and and the quality of the food. Have you frequented the Mandarin lately, Jay? And when was the last time that you went?
0: Oh, no, no. I am not a Mandarin frequenter. Uh, I am... Actually, I, I've stayed away from buffets, obviously since the pandemic. But even before that, I wasn't really a fan of them. I think it's because, you know, I grew up in in Scarborough, an area of Scarborough that was you'd refer to as Chinatown, really. So right. there were many more options for Chinese food, and Mandarin just seemed like a um, like it. It seemed like it was a franchisee where I'm more of a mom and pop type of of restaurateur. So. I didn't quite go there too often you know the last time you went there you said you were seven that's probably roughly around the last time i did as well i think <laughs> i've gone once since um but my i guess my my palate has changed and you know my wife has opened my eyes up to different types of uh, chinese food restaurants so yeah i can't really speak too much about it but what i do remember is that a lot of fried foods a lot which yes. i gotta say i do actually like so maybe i do need to pay another visit and, and go back there one thing i do actually do i have one more memory i did take the kids there once and the location we went to for some reason i don't know what they were celebrating but they gave my kids balloons like they had uh, i don't know they there hey. at the front door and they' were, i don't know what they were celebrating but uh i thought that was nice nice customer service you know getting, heading out you know those animal balloons uh for for kids like i thought that was nice
1: they were giving out cotton candy when I got there. They had a whole cotton candy machine. Although the person who was running it stepped away for like a good half an hour while we were sitting there waiting for our table. So they just had it under like plastic wrap where you could just grab a stick oh. of cotton candy on your way out. That's tremendous service. Five stars for the Mandarin.
0: Yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, there was there was cotton candy along with the balloon. So maybe this is just a thing that they do. And I will give them kudos on that. The customer service is A+.
1: No McDonald's though, like it, no cotton candy at like the fast food joints that I frequent on the regular. Like you gotta have some free candy. Give me a treat on the way out, you know. If I'm going to be going hard on the Big Macs or Quarter Pounders, I want something to to quench my sweet tooth, Jay.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and they should they should take some pointers, right? I mean this this is a, a very competitive landscape. You're trying to just one up your 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 fellow competitors there, and the Mandarin's obviously found a little sweet spot, literally. Uh, By (laughs) handing out cotton candy, so time to step up your game there, McDonald's. Well, if
1: you're not going to the Mandarin, if you're going to, like, a buffet, for example, what's the first thing you're gunning for? Where where are your eyes zoned in on? Like, what's your go-to meal out of, like, a buffet?
0: Ooh, very good question. Uh, And I think this harkens back to the fact that I haven't really been to many buffets recently. So I (laughs) would say it is uh, definitely something fried, and if the fried item is some form of seafood like I'm thinking fried calamari fried squid fried whatever like it's it's fried and it's seafood is is the first thing on my plate
1: I forget that COVID was a thing for many many years (laughs) and that no one went to a buffet I it it just crossed my mind here and like yeah it's probably a horrible question to ask no one was going to a buffet for quite some time but I'm happy I went to the Mandarin my wife was happy my stomach wasn't I ate quite a lot of food uh, but you know what? If you're if you're spending thirty seven dollars for a buffet, go hard or go home. And uh, I went home, and let me tell you, that bathroom. TMI, but it was, it was a wreck after we went there. But, uh, Jay, I'll close up the podcast with this a non-Mandarin-related question. And I ask this as a recurring question here on the Walder Sportscast to all of my guests. Get really deep to close things out. If social media disappeared forever, no more tweets, photos, blog posts like Raptors HQ, everything in between, what is the one thing you would want your readers and followers to most remember you for?
0: I I want it to be that the glass is always half full. I think that that's a lot of the reason why I, I got into writing is, is when I started writing, you know, when you and I were writing together on, on Sir Charles and George, it was a time when there was a lot of despair around the Raptors organization. It was a team that was going nowhere. That was perpetually a lottery team and, or losing very early in the playoffs. And I felt like my writing was a chance to offer some ray of hope and that's how i got into like the analytics of of sports and and just try to find the silver lining in almost everything the raptors did and if if that's a takeaway then then i'm then i'm a very fulfilled writer
1: look jay i think you've done a tremendous work for yourself i think you're a an awesome contributor to raptorshq.com i do remember our time For that little old site, Sir Charles in Charge, for (laughs) fan-sided. We were just trying to practice our craft. And look at us now, you know. I got my Walder Sportscast. You're with Raptors HQ. You're going down to Raptors games. I could not be happier for you. I know you have that imposter syndrome going on, but you know what? You're where you are for a reason. I think you're great at what you do. I want to see more YouTube clips circulating. I want to see more news spots, more blog posts from you, Jay. Again, thank you so much for doing the show today it was great catching up with you my friend before i let you go though let the listeners know where they can find your work on the web and social media as a whole
0: well thanks again for having me on chris like it's always a pleasure talking to you and you know we definitely have to have you back on on that's a wrap which we record every friday and, and usually publish later on for, uh, friday afternoon but that's a wrap podcast is you can find us on any of your podcatchers where you're catching this podcast um, and then my writing on, is on Raptors HQ on, on social media. You can catch me at Rosalesaurus, R-O-S-A-L-E-S-A-U-R-U-S. And I think that's it. Uh, honestly, this, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Chris. And, and hopefully down the road, you and I can see each other in person at Scotiabank Arena as yeah. credentialed media members. That would be a full circle moment we'll be the <laughs> um, <across. laughs>
1: we'll, we'll be the two guys in media row uh throwing t-shirts uh to our <laughs> fellow colleagues uh just ruining our reputations uh, across the board but again jay always a pleasure buddy let's do this again soon
0: thank you take
1: care and that was my interview with jay rosales find him on twitter at Rosalisaurus, coolest handle in raptors media <laughs> i mean it's up there anyway a classic guest to boot uh, puts into perspective how long the show has been around. I mean, 2020, I had him on. That's when Jason, uh, my audio producer, who I mentioned earlier, convinced me to start this podcast in the first place. I know I took a hiatus, everybody, but it's still a fact. 2020, been around for a minute, everybody. <laughs> this has been episode 66 of the Walder Cast. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you had a good time, Leave a rating and review helps more people find me. It's a competitive landscape out there, so tell your friends to find me on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your shows. Dad, I love you. I miss you. Happy birthday once again. He loved that he shared a birthday with The Rock and David Beckham. Always reminded me that on his birthday. Random fun fact. For now, have a great rest of your week, everyone. Be happy, stay safe, and I'll see you on the next episode.
0: Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.